Hey everyone, Vicky McLeod here. Welcome back to the podcast. This time, John and I update on the recent semi-final training camp for the programme. And we talk about a few pressing issues that have been going on in the CrossFit world recently. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome, John Singleton, to Europe is Coming. How are you today? Ooh, very well. Uh, not so sunny Wednesday in Mallorca. No. If you're thinking about coming to Mallorca for a, a hot spring break, forget it, basically. <laughs> we can't guarantee sunshine at the moment. I'm looking out the window and it's, um, well, it's just a cloud, which is very depressing. And I have underdressed for today's occasion. I don't feel like I've got my vest on and I'm cold. So, Mallorca's disappointing weather-wise. But it's, you're doing pretty well. You've attracted a lot of um, very good athletes to the semi-finals camp that you've just had. And that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, It was. you know, I think the thing is, because you look at it from the outside, oh, that's a big group of people. Um, but then you kind of appreciate the the average level of the group is just super high. And, you know, it, it would have been one of the fittest groups in the world um, training together. So, so, you know, those kind of things are, are really nice. We had numerous athletes going to the, the semifinals in that group. You had about a dozen people training, or was it more? Yeah, I mean, so we did kind of spill over a little from the, the elite athletes, um, like on on Friday or so, I think we went up to like 16, um, 16 people. Yeah, he had a couple of um, people, not quite in that bubble, but hanging almost there as well, didn't you? Exactly, yeah. Getting their asses kicked by the, uh, <laughs> very, very uh, in a very chill sort of way. It was a really nice vibe and you had, um, uh, we, I counted um, up the nationalities and there was, yeah, you had about eight different nationalities going on there. Norwegian, yeah. Danish, French, Spanish, English, German. I'm losing, I'm running out of fingers. Like Swedish. There was, a, there, was, there was lots. Yeah, it's true. And I think it's very, the nice thing is it's very representative of of what we're trying to do as um, a brand and a, a training program is really drive, you know, so we have the podcast Europe is coming and part of our kind of brand is moving Europe forward. And so, you know, to have a, a huge cross section of Europe like that at the camp is, is very important to us. I mean, the um, common language has to be English, which is, uh, I guess, sensible because there's so many different languages going on in there. Yeah, exactly. Everything everything's done in English and sometimes you get like you know you get little subgroups like German Scots with German French you know so within the you know English is the the common language but you do get the you know obviously the same nationalities will go and speak in their their own languages which is which is really nice it brings um you know it brings that diversity to it again what did you do with them did you just train in the gym or did you get out and about um, so we have we have a bit of space issue at the moment because um, C23 is super, super busy. So we did have to coordinate um, 
kind of gym sessions and outdoors. But it worked really well. Um, this time we managed to, we did some running sessions. Uh, we had a swim session with Lorenzo. Actually, Easter was, um, it was the Easter weekend. So actually the gym was closed on Friday. That gave us a whole a whole day in the gym as well. So so it actually worked out quite well and, and was kind of not too dissimilar. When we have a group of athletes like that together, we do like to get out of the gym uh, as well and do some, like, stuff that people don't typically do you know going to the track we do it quite a lot here in Mallorca but the other athletes don't tend to uh, to do that as much you've got Moritz Feiberg now as part of the the squad yeah exactly. a new addition. um huh. I, I met him a few times at, just on the competition circuit and you know Moritz is like super athlete you know he's, he's actually relatively young he's still only 26 um and he, in essence, uh, reached out wanting guidance leading up to, to semis. He obviously has the potential to, to make it through to games, and he wanted to optimise things before he, before he gets semis. So we've been working on that, and um, the camp was, was a good opportunity to see him in person. Do you get that happening a lot? Do you get people just asking for advice, not necessarily... Yeah, what you're doing at this stage. Yeah, it does. You know, we we do get a lot of requests. Um, probably the most common request is is people wanting to come to the island um, and train, and and so that's something that's been in like t- tough to manage because we still need to keep the group manageable. You know, if we um, uh, and what we want to try and do is have a manageable group that's that's productive, and so we have to we do have to monitor that a little bit. But, you know, if we can get more more space and move things forward that opens up more possibilities but it's not sometimes an issue of um, it's a logistical issue it's a practicality of like you know where does everyone fit and so you know it's not um, that actually becomes the the main concern you know can you get everyone on a pull-up rack or because then you (laughs) because it starts to change the put the programming you know my programming you know you kind of have like a hierarchy okay you know we we need to get this stimulus out of the session. You go, okay, that stimulus I want to achieve, how do we achieve that stimulus? And, and logistics then become a factor. So, you know, do we have to go like a, a you-go-I-go workout? Is that going to give us the right stimulus because we don't have enough uh, machines? You know, where's everyone going to fit? And so you're actually playing, becoming more of an event organizer as well as a programmer because it's, otherwise, you know, you can program a workout and if people are just waiting around, they're not going to get the correct stimulus, they don't have the right bar. So, so all of those factors come into play, and that's why um, we we do have to put some limits on on the amount of people there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to. Uh, it, it just becomes ineffective for everyone involved. But Mallorca is a great. I mean, despite my complaints about the weather, Mallorca is a really cool place to come and train. It's so popular for athletes now. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, we just had um, Oslo here. We, you know, we we literally have high level athletes coming every week a lot of athletes you know want to make that that journey to uh, to move here as well you know the, the move it, it's it's a different uh different discussion but i think for like the coming over for a week's train i mean athletes athletes of it i mean what's not it's like you know we have a very solid group of athletes here you know you can do outdoor outdoor training the weather's typically good so it's um you know, you can see why it's high on people's list. And you just had um, the 
team from CrossFit Oslo over, what were they like? Oh, they're super nice. You know, like some of them I've known for, for years, you know, just from doing different training camps around the around the world. We, we've done some quite a few, because obviously Jackson's Norwegian, so we've done quite a few in Norway. So known Nico for, for, for a number of years. Um, Lena had been over. I've met Ingrid at, um, at different competitions in the past. Uh, Ivan, um, Ivan was the, the one that I didn't know the most, but, you know, in essence, you've got like a group of high-level athletes all going towards similar goals. And so it's easy to, you know, that they kind of mix into the group. How do you um, manage the... Like, you don't ever have any problems where people... Actually, I'm not going to ask that question. question. Uh, the love, anyway, I, love, love Island. Yeah, the lo- I was going to say exactly that. Love Island kind of, you know, it becomes difficult when you've got a lot of personalities going on, going on in a group. Yeah, you know, over, over the years, something... I think the one thing is, you know, I start to, to have a, like a long time in the sports, you know, it's like 15 years now. And so within that time, you, you see, you get cycles, you know, like different athletes, different times, all these things. And, you know, with a large group of young competitive athletes, you know, inevitably there's going to be, um, especially when they're living in close quarters, they're, they're, you know, they're, there's kind of the drama that you you get everywhere, you know, be it a normal gym, be it at amongst your group of friends. And so, yeah, you know, this, this kind of become this um, little joke of, of, you know, like Love Island, like a reality TV show uh, based in New York. And, and, you know, and I think it's kind of uh, expected. The most important thing for, for me is that, you know, it, not, not that it's managed in any way, because I think it's kind of impossible to do those things, but that everyone is, you know, our main focus is performance. So as long as these things aren't impeding on their performance, as long as people aren't feeling, you know, in essence, bullied or disrespected, as long as there are certain boundaries kind of kept within the the Love Island, then, you know, <laughs> everything everything goes on. and 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 that's what's, I kind of tried to go to have a bit of a bigger overview and go, okay, you know, is are people's performance being affected? Yes or no? You know, are people feeling welcome and comfortable within the group? Are people feeling excluded? Yes or no? And I think as long as those two aspects are positive, hmm. then it's um, that's fine. Okay, thank you for answering that. I was like, <laughs> so I was thinking, Vicky, don't ask such a schoolgirl question. Um, so let's talk about the seeding. Everybody knows where they're going now. Who's who's out first? Who's going where? Uh, well, you know, there's um, so. I think the interesting thing, like in Europe, for example, the states, because you had everyone compete at the same quarterfinals. You know, it was online, obviously, but um, they just kind of d- divided the athletes. It, I think fundamentally, this this issue comes into communication from HQ. And, you know, I think any time we talk about issues within CrossFit, the biggest thing we end up coming back to is like, well, where's the communication? You know, no, no athletes, we still don't really know how athletes got seeded for the semifinals. You know, no one's really explained this. There's, you know, CrossFit keep talking that there's going to be communication. You know, ever since the um, the kind of, takeover of the the company um 
you know, it's just been lack of communication, lack of communication. And, and I think that people just want some form of transparency. And so, you know, these athletes competing, they just get an email, you know, it's like they get an email, some questions. And then all of a sudden they get an email, oh, you've been whatever, selected to go to Lowlands, you've been selected to go to Strength and Depth or same within, in, within North America. Um, and for some, for us, you know, okay, be it some athletes wanted to go on the first week, but they got the, the last weekend, you know, fine, it's annoying. But for some athletes, you know, you take Jamie Green, she has to travel all the way back to, to Australia, which from the UK is no easy travel. Or you've got some extreme examples of someone like Roman, um, who, you know, left his unborn child and his wife in a country currently at war to go to the US and all these things. Now he's being told he has to leave the US to go to South Korea to compete and, you know, runs the risk of maybe not being let back into the States. So you have all of these, you know, individual stories, which are, you know, quite extreme in terms of things. You know, there's uh, mm-hmm. a, apparently there's a, um, a refugee in, in the US. And obviously, as a, with the refugee status, you can't leave the US. So, you know, they kind of, you know, what do they do? <laughs> so it's like... I think they've kind of created with this new system lots of unforeseen troubles because the old regional system used to be that basically where you were living, you compete. And it worked really well. And it actually, people could even play the system by, say, moving, to, you know, if you wanted to go all in and get to the games, well, move to Asia, try and compete in Asia to get through. And, and you could kind of use the system in that way i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing it's just kind of gaming it and you also it's also extreme because you had to move there for like six months uh in order to do it so you know if you're really that all in then fair play but the big thing was it it made logistically a lot easier because the people were living where they were were competing whereas now with this new system purely based on citizenship we end up with stories then obviously we have the controversy over certain athletes who have moved from um, a Canadian region back into the US regions, apparently based on uh, vaccination status. Uh, and this is where all the controversies come about because, you know, you hear a story like Roman, who's, you know, it's just ex- you know, extreme to the crazy degrees, never been able to get to the games, arguably one of the best male athletes in the world, finally gets his visa, the country goes to war, his wife's pregnant, you know, he, he finally gets the visa, gets into the US. He's like, you know, his wife has to have the child without him while he's competing with the games. And they're like, okay, yeah, you still have to go. Yeah, it doesn't seem at all fair. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just extreme, you know. It's, it's just, um, and then, if, you know, some people who've made the, the conscious choice not to get vaccinated for whatever reason they want to do, but then they're being given a lot of leeway and you're like it just doesn't feel one because there's been no real transparent communication you end up having to fill the gaps and right now the gaps are being filled with this this logic that doesn't necessarily seem fair um and you know in this case uh, the athletes that i work with are not necessarily affected maybe i, I talk about roman's case more because i've known roman um, since the beginning, I've known Anastasia, his wife. Like, 
you know, we have very good relationships. And you're just like, I don't know why CrossFit have put themselves in this scenario. And that's the trouble because they haven't communicated why they've put themselves in this scenario. You know, why have you made the choice? Why have you made the choices in this way? And, and how is that justified? And, you know, once again, we're, we're lacking on that. We don't even know who makes the choice. Yeah, you know, this is the thing. <laughs> currently, you know, well, there's currently no CEO in place. So, you know, you, you, we do know people higher up the the kind of sport of CrossFit. Mm. And, you know, are they making the decisions? I, I have no clue, but this is the thing. You know, we're always going to come back down to this thing of like, you know, the mystery of of CrossFit decision-making. There's no, you know, nothing's uh, nothing's communicated to, to the community. Nothing's um, transparent. And, and, you know, the one thing I think people have just been asking for is, is transparency and communication. And, I think for an organization at that level, I, I don't believe it's um, it's too much to ask. No. It's, 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 it's very, it always comes across as very arrogant, either arrogant or incompetent, but I don't think they're either. They, it's like, that's just the outsider's point of view. That's what I see. And each time I ask you questions about you know, like, why is this decision like this or why is that, and you can't answer it, it's, just, like, it's only because they haven't told you. And it just seems, if they're not even telling the people that are deep in the sport that what their decisions are, how is anybody supposed to respect them? And, you know, we come, we know, as you say, we, we keep coming back down to the same, same issues. And ultimately the issue is that lack of transparency and lack of communication. You know, and, and you know, it's like how far are they going to keep taking that that process, and how many? Because oh, the, the thing is, they promise the change. You know, they've promised mm. communication, but when does that? When does that ever happen? When is it kicking in? Yeah, you know, they said they're going to. They do certain things like there's a big change in CrossFit. You know, like hey, C, next CEO gets kicked out, eight Ross kicked out. Then all of a sudden, everyone get we get one message of like, you know, from the hopper, things are going to be clear. This is why things happened, etc. And then you know, all these other things change over months, and, and nothing's uh, decided in that in that way. How often are you getting hopper emails? I, I don't know. I think I'm subscribed, but um, I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing the latest one. I don't think. They're very CrossFit HQ is very good at sending out uh, emails about workouts each day. I get one of those, but um, I don't, I don't yeah. get anything like the profession- that would explain any of this sport. No, the, me. the professional coach. I think again, as you said, the email of the day um, comes through. You know, ultimately, still morning chalk up is the the most informative mm. uh, place, which 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 is fine, but you know they're not. Um, because it's not a central organization, you still, you know, is, is it verified? You know, like, obviously, if the news comes from CrossFit, you're like, okay, at least it's come from the source, whereas it has to come through a source in order to get to Morning Chalk Up. And, yeah, it, I, I think, you know, I don't know if anyone listens to this uh, this podcast from HQ. And, and I think the one thing we want is communication because I think that if things are communicated, we can actually help spread the word of the sport and, and help the sport to grow in a mm. in a healthier way. 
rather than having to create this kind of rumor mill, this happened for this reason, you know, like when um, the whole rumor mill went around about um, uh, O'Keefe becoming CEO because mm-hmm. because things happened at the same time. You know, yeah. no, no one knew that Eric was leaving or why he was leaving, blah, blah, blah. So the rumor mill kicks in. And, and I think for the size that CrossFit is now, it's, it's they don't necessarily need that kind of publicity. I think that there's a definite opportunity for positive growth and publicity that's not being utilised. Wow. We'll leave that one there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing else we can say. I'm sure in a few months' time we're going to come back to, uh, you know, let's, let's get communication. I hope not. It would be great to think, like, because all the speculation is just, it makes... It makes for boring listening, really, for me. It's like a... Well, it becomes, like, it, it becomes like gossip, basically. Yeah. Because you, we are speculating, and really speculation is informed gossiping, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But, yeah, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, objective information. We're filling in gaps. I mean, it's, it's fun to speculate about which athlete's going to win which workout, but that's different to how well, can we figure out or second guess why CrossFit's made a decision. That's different. So, exactly. Let's talk about um, the Masters and Teens quarterfinals, which just happened last weekend. How, I know the program has got quite a few Masters going through, um, and also one very fit young woman called, is her name Anine? Anine, yeah, Anina. Yeah. Uh, she she actually works with uh, Jacqueline. So she's in the sixteen to seventeen year old division, and she's the only non-American in the top ten. Yeah, which is you know it's, it's a very nice, um, you know, representing Europe by a long way. It's like you know you look at the leaderboard, or you got all the American flags, then all of a sudden yeah. you get to she's just stuck in, in tenth, but but put the. Uh, a European flag up there, which is nice. Yeah. Go, Anine. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on her young shoulders. But um, she's presumably hoping to get back to the games. Yeah, that's definitely her um, her goal to to be back there. And Masters generally have had a good a good um, results over the weekend. Yeah, exactly. You know, the um, we we recently started our Masters program. And we've we've always had masters on uh, the program, typically the program one, but we wanted to create something that was more specific, more guided, more of community, and and we were able to start that at the start of this month, and it's been really nice because, in essence, we've been able to be more specific, even around a competition like that. The athletes who needed more support, we could give them that support, and um, uh, and although it's similar what they need in terms of, of training it is slightly different. And now we can offer that, um, that slight variance for them. What is the difference between training the, the young'uns and masters? Um, so in essence, there's one of the big things is um, being able to stay consistent. You know, injury rates do increase as, um, as we get older. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're keeping the masters as healthy as possible so they can stay consistent in their training. Um, then there's there's other things because as you now move into different categories, the movement requirements become different. So you know, obviously at 50 plus, it's very different to 35. Um, 
you know, you need different weights, there's different movements that you need to be adapted to. And so now we can be specific. Really, 35 to 40 is, um, is very similar to, uh, to elite now. The, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the kind of older top elites have moved into the 35 and therefore the level's still super high. And really the masters we've kind of focused on going the 40 plus when we see like um, quite a significant dip in, in, in peak performance. And you also started, a, a, I've just seen that you started a new weightlifting program as well with Turo Kitty. Turo Kitty, yes, he was. Uh, Tell me about him. But he's Olympic gold medalist, um, world champion, so, you know, a beast. <laughs> he's from the Ukraine. And um, he has like uh, you know, a really hard time at the moment. Obviously, you know, we're speaking about romance um, being country of war. Obviously, with Ukraine, and so those guys are um, their focus is a lot more on other things. We actually started the project before uh, before the war happened, and you know, communications being. Um, understandably like uh, sporadic because of what's been going on there. And we asked them if they would still like to carry on and, and release the program. So they, they said yes. So we decided to, to do that. Um, and, you know, it, in essence, the, the program itself is a, a standalone program for six weeks of weightlifting using the, the kind of style of training that they've used in the Ukraine and that he's used. And we've adapted um, our CrossFit programming to fit within that style of weightlifting. So it's a standalone six-week program focused on this uh, Ukrainian style of, of weightlifting. And we've also combined the CrossFit style of program within there. So you still keep that uh, classic CrossFit stimulus as well. What characterizes Ukrainian weightlifting as opposed to other countries? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if you see as much in CrossFit, but it starts to become very varied. So, for example, there's lots of different principles how how people get stronger. So, um, this this varies from technique, styles, and programming. Uh, the you know if you go to certain extremes, like uh, there was a period of the Bulgarian lifters where their training would literally involve six six main lifts. They'd go in for a very short period, eight times a day, and max out in each of those lifts. The Russians, Ukraine style as well, would be, you know, in essence, once you have the technique down, then you just need to get stronger in lots of different accessory work. Um, whereas the Chinese would then be very heavily focused on like technique, speed, proficiency, and their accessory work would also look very different from that of the, um, uh, the Russians, Ukraine. Uh, and in essence, the Bulgarians who really didn't do any accessory work well, through a certain period of their uh, Olympic lifting, they didn't do any accessory work. They literally just did the main lifts. So, you know, it, in essence, everyone's doing weightlifting, but the, the approach of how you do that is very varied. Um, you know, I suppose the same thing would be in CrossFit. I, I don't like, you know, we have a very different style to, uh, to other programs. Um, and in the same way, weightlifters have very different approaches as they as they go through. So it's it's something that you could do for six weeks and then repeat. Yeah, well, no, I would say that actually, what I do with this program is take it as just a six week block, 
So if you want to improve your weightlifting, I would just, you go, okay, I've got six weeks. I want to try and get a bit stronger. I want to try and get more technically proficient whilst maintaining my, my cross fitness. And, um, and that's kind of the perfect uh, program for that. What's a realistic um, amount of improvement that you could see if you followed the program religiously? Um, so this, you know, like you, you had to talk with, um, with Goma. This, um, you know, your training adaptation is, is something that's uh, very relevant to this. You know, you take, you take someone who's untrained but has a huge, um, you know, genetically they, they can get very strong. You know, don't they? I mean, they, they can. You, it's almost like the sky is the limit in terms of the uh, strength progression that they can see in six weeks. Whereas, if you have someone who's more of a hard gainer, the the absolute strength may be tricky to to improve. However, the technical aspects may help them a lot more in order to. You know, they might not be being as efficient with their technique, and therefore they can make more gains in that in that way. So, you know, in essence, it'd be impossible uh, to put. Um, put a specific number on that because it's very independent on the person. But for someone who has you know, the ability to gain strength quickly, they will see that very much through the program. Or for the hard gainers, there's also technical focuses in there. So they can improve not only their strength, be that a slower rate, but also work on the technical proficiency. So there's something for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> Turikiti's got it down. Okay. Um so, and what are you doing at the moment? You've got a little, I guess, not a break exactly, because you've got to keep the the, the wheels moving on the bus until um, this, until semi-finals. But what are you up to at the moment? Um, so, yes, it's a kind of, we had this, I mean, it was just super busy when you go open quarterfinals and then semi-camp. You know, each week, for multiple days of the week, there's a focus on something other than, you know, the, the day-to-day work so that meant that that whole period is very busy we now go it's like a month before um gabby competes and the rest of the athletes compete at lowlands well less than that now but we kind of had a month between semi-camp and, and lowlands and then there'll be another period of about three and a half weeks between um uh, lowlands and strength and depth and hopefully we have have our athletes through to the games by that they, they're not going on to the last chance that means we can start a games prep but these periods are quite nice because it's just habit you know it, and that's nice for me as well because it means that I can train I can look after myself a bit more um, sleep well and you know I, it's important that, uh, that I get to do things and sometimes during like the camps and things like that you know my my training and and all those things get put to the side just to make sure that the, the athletes are getting everything out of it that they can. Hmm. So a bit of John time. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the habits there. So it's, I, I know that I can train at this time every day. I know that the athletes will be training at these times every day. We know that this day we'll be going to the track, this day we'll be swimming. And so there's just a routine that, that means you can be a lot more efficient you know, it's mm, lot- I love routines. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just crazy. You know, when I'm traveling, it's like, it's very hard to be as productive uh, because you're just constantly moving around. It's hard to train. You might be tired from time zone changes, all these things. And, and yes, you can fight through it. 
the fighting through it and being rest and recovered to approach it are just very um, different feelings. Are you training a lot at the box? Yeah, I, I only train at the box now. Um, I, I actually quite like the separation now of like, okay, I go into C23 and I, I coach there. Whereas at the box, you know, I, although you know, I'm the owner of the box, I, I'm more like a member because you know, we have a great manager, great coaches in place. So basically I can go in and train and um, just enjoy you know, training like, uh, like everyone else enjoys training, really. Well, thanks very much for talking to me today, John. Of course, and we will and speak soon. Yes, enjoy some John time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, John. By the way, this episode was recorded 10 days ago and the weather over here has improved dramatically. <laughs> Next up on the podcast, I have an interview with Only Mansbridge, the guy behind Strength and Depth and the Europe manager for CrossFit and athlete Carl Porter on what it's like living in Iceland and going team. Until then, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.